Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. I recently got an email from Gary, he's a longtime podcast listener, asking how to decide whether or not a snack food can be considered healthy. And he attached snapshots of several different types of chips and crackers to his email. Is there a barometer that you use to rule a snack food in or out? He wrote, I try to limit saturated fats, added sugars, sodium, and refined flours in my meals and snacks. And these snacks all seem to be somewhat benign, but they're obviously processed. So at what point do they cross over from a healthy snack food to a junk food? Well, I had to laugh as I scrolled through the photos that Gary sent because Every single one of them is either in my cupboard right now or has been very recently. Apparently, Gary and I have similar tastes in snacks. Over the years, I've received many variations on this question. Is this chip or yogurt or energy bar or cookie or sweetener or whatever better than that one? And whenever I'm trying to evaluate the healthfulness of a food, I have found it useful to ask three questions. Number one, how much are you going to be eating? Number two, what will you be eating it with? And number three, what are you not eating because you're eating this instead? So let's tackle these one by one. Number one, how much are you eating? Sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that we can eat more of something simply because it's healthy or healthier. So if we select a tortilla chip that contains flaxseed or a cookie that's sweetened with honey or a bread that contains oat bran, somehow we rationalize that we can have a larger serving or perhaps enjoy it more often. A healthy snack may offer some nutritional advantages. It might have more fiber or more omega-3s, for example. But it may not be any lower in calories or sodium or sugar. In fact, it might even be higher. So you'd still want to take a look at the Nutrition Facts label and consider how this food fits into your daily budget for those things. You'd also still want to make sure to pay attention to the portion size. For example, does that bag of whole grain chips contain one serving or three? The second question is, what are you eating it with? Individual foods always need to be considered in the context of other foods that are eaten with them. I think sometimes we indulge in a fantasy that one healthy choice sort of cancels out an unhealthy one. Because the chips are dusted with spinach powder, we decide to go with the onion dip instead of the bean dip or the hummus. It's that old, well, I'm having a diet soda, so go ahead and give me the large fries mentality. I'm always likely to give a snack food a higher rating when it's serving as a vehicle for healthy foods. So that same onion dip, when paired with a plateful of raw vegetables, would rate a lot higher in my book, for example, than it would when paired with a whole grain chip. And the third question is, what are you not eating because you're eating this instead? Eating a whole grain flax cracker instead of a cracker made with white flour might represent a small nutritional upgrade, but snacking on whole grain crackers instead of nuts or vegetables, not so much. If snacking is adding too many calories or too much sugar or sodium or whatever, or snacks are displacing other nutritious foods from your diet, then it really doesn't matter whether those snacks are the healthier version. Okay, so how much is too much? Well, one rule of thumb is to limit your discretionary calories to about 10% of your total calories. And for most of us, this is going to be somewhere around 200 calories. Discretionary calories are those foods and beverages that 
don't contribute to your nutritional needs for the day. They're just for fun. So alcoholic and sweetened beverages, desserts, and snacks would all be discretionary. And the idea here is that if these foods account for a whole lot more than 10% of your calories, then the chances of nutritional shortfalls increase because there's fewer healthy foods in your diet to cover those needs. Now, Gary also mentioned that he's trying to limit highly processed foods, and I think that's a pretty good idea. Several studies have linked the consumption of so-called ultra-processed foods to an increased risk of obesity and other diseases. But would these healthier snacks be considered too processed? It all depends on where you're going to draw the line between minimally processed, processed, and highly or ultra-processed. I think it's most useful to think of processing on a spectrum. So at one end are minimally processed foods. That would include things like plain yogurt, canned tuna, and frozen strawberries. Obviously, these are not the kinds of processed foods that we're worried about. Way over on the other end of the spectrum are the ultra-processed foods. Most of the ingredients in these foods bear little resemblance to the whole foods that they originally came from. So think refined sugars, processed oils, starches, artificial colorings and flavorings, preservatives, stabilizers, and other additives. Ultra-processed foods are not only likely to be devoid of nutrients, but they're also often intensely flavored and notoriously easy to overeat. Those are the processed foods that we're most worried about. So if an ear of corn is at the minimally processed end of the spectrum and flaming Hot Fritos are at the ultra-processed end, where should we put these quinoa and black bean tortilla chips that Gary sometimes enjoys? So obviously this is going to be a bit of a judgment call, but I think I'd start by checking out the ingredient list. Does it read more like a recipe or more like a lab experiment? I don't happen to have a bag of the quinoa and black bean chips in my kitchen right now, but I could theoretically make some. I do have all eight of the listed ingredients, and I could probably figure out how to combine them into something that would resemble the prototype using my new tortilla press and a baking sheet or maybe my air fryer. My chances of replicating the flaming Hot Fritos, on the other hand, are a lot lower. Not only is the ingredient list a lot longer, but I'm not even sure where to buy maltodextrin, Red 40 Lake, Yellow 6 Lake, disodium phosphate, inosinate, or guanolate. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that one, much less how to use these things in a recipe. And I also don't have an extruder or a deep fryer in my kitchen. Okay, I realize that the definition of ultra-processed is starting to sound a little bit like Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart's famous definition of obscenity. You know it when you see it. But keep in mind that even ultra, or one might even say obscenely processed foods, are only really harmful when they lead you to consume more calories than you need, or more sugar or sodium than you can tolerate, or if they're causing you to neglect the foods that you need to meet your nutritional needs. If you can enjoy them in moderation, you can safely include even ultra-processed foods as a small part of a healthy diet. But be forewarned, most people find it challenging to do that. These foods have literally been engineered to be irresistible. 
you might just find it a bit easier to exercise some restraint and some moderation when you stick to those somewhat less processed, quote unquote, healthier treats. And I think it's that and not the stray flaxseed or the extra gram of fiber that is the most potent health advantage of these healthy snacks. So in addition to the three questions that can help you determine whether a food fits into a healthy diet, here are two further questions that might help you to determine whether a food is too processed. Number one, is it difficult for you to enjoy this particular food in moderation? And number two, would it be possible to make something similar to this food using ingredients and equipment available to a home cook? So finally, with all of that in mind, Here are my personal rules for snacking. Number one, choose the healthiest version that will truly be enjoyable for you. If you like the flaxseed or quinoa tortilla chips or the chips that are baked instead of fried or the whole grain crackers, go for it. But if they taste like cardboard to you, why bother? Number two, don't increase the quantity just because it's healthy. Healthy snacks still need to fit into your daily budget for calories, sodium, sugar, and so on. Number three, eat snacks in addition to healthy foods, not instead of them. But if you like, you can count crackers and other grain-based snacks toward your daily servings of grains. And finally, choose snacks that lie closer to the minimally processed end of the spectrum. They may or may not be lower in calories or sugar or sodium, but it will likely be easier for you to enjoy them in moderation. You'll find a transcript of today's show on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. And if you have a nutrition question you'd like me to tackle in a future episode, you can email me at nutrition at quickanddirtytips.com, or you can call the Nutrition Diva listener line at 443-961-6206. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll also check out my other podcast with Brock Armstrong. It's called The Change Academy, and it's all about creating positive, sustainable behavior change. The Nutrition Diva Show is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's produced by Nathan Sams with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our team also includes Marshall Margulis, Emily Miller, Davina Tomlin, and our intern Jake Johnson. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. Music.